I'm excited. We are going to go over the DNA of our church and what it is that we often talk about here. And the reason why that's so important is because I know a lot of you have um, uh, come since in, the, in like the past year or so, and I just want to make sure that this is the right church for you, and we'll see. There's a, uh, like a, a DNA or, or things that we often talk, or talk about here. And the first one that I want to talk to you guys about is prayer, because we talk about prayer a lot. And one of the main reasons that we talk about prayer a lot is Leonard Ravenhill said this about prayer, that no man is greater than his prayer life. And what that means is, is that you'll, you're, you're never going to be who you're meant to become in Christ apart from Christ and actually drawing near to him. And I, prayer is not a, a, a discipline or something that we're doing. It is something that we are in relationship to God. To not pray is to actually say no to him. Somebody got it, right? So to not pray is to say no to God. And it's also to say this, I don't need you today. When do people pray who don't have relationship per se with him? They pray when they need him. Well, if humility is a thing, you'll understand that you actually need him every day and that you cannot have the fruits of the spirit apart from the spirit. Isn't that simple? How many of you would like the fruits of the spirit? Anybody enjoy joy? Anybody enjoy peace? Something you're interested in? Well, good luck, right? Because what most people believe, and they may not say this with their mouth, but they say it with their life by not praying, is they say, I'll find peace apart from him somewhere in my day. I will live so that I can have peace, but there is no peace apart from him. I will try to make my circumstances joyful, but joy is in him. So let me just read to you the, uh, the fruits of the Spirit so that we're all on the same page. It might be the fruits of what? Galatians 5.22. But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. So... That's what people desire, but they fight for that apart from him and can't find it and get frustrated. It's not the fruit of your circumstances. It's not the fruit of the day. How many of you have a, um, a boss? Do you have a boss? I'm just going to say their name's Joe. It's not the fruit of Joe because Joe... Regardless of how he treats you, let's say your boss treats you very well, it's fleeting. You're not going to find, how many of you are, are married? It's not the fruit of your spouse either. Do you guys know that? So what, what am I saying? What I'm saying is, if you're waiting for someone to deliver on those goods, they don't possess them. They can't give them. I or you can't give the fruits of the Spirit away to some other person. The Spirit has that market cornered and He has a monopoly on peace and joy and love. And He is the distributor of those things. I can have them, but I can't give them. And I'm called to have them. And since they're the fruits of the Spirit, I need to hang out with the Spirit to have them. So to not go to Him preferably probably in the morning and seek him first 
I will spend the rest of my day looking for an egg that has not been hidden. And why would you ever want to do that? So you could wake up in the morning, get dressed, get ready, think about all the things you have to do, get in the car. Now, granted, you already said no to joy and peace based on your actions. Get in the car. People are driving like maniacs. You're on 83. You almost die three times. <laughs> you curse the people that almost killed you. You get to work. You walk into work. The, the administrator is there. They don't even acknowledge that you come in. And you think to yourself, what's their problem? I hate this place. No one's friendly here. Meanwhile, you didn't say hi either. You get to your desk. There's a pile of work. You can't believe how everybody always puts it back on you and it's your responsibility to do all this work. Your boss doesn't even do anything, right? They call you in for a meeting wondering why the work isn't done. You want to tell them because you don't do anything and you don't. You hold your tongue somehow, right? Because you know that you'll be fired. You go back out. You begrudgingly finish your day. Get back in the car, almost die three times. Get home and then you get home and your family, nobody really acknowledges you either. You just worked your tail off for them. Can you believe it? Right? And they're not even really that friendly. Kind of wish you had a new one. <laughs> Give them some attitude. Crawl in the bed wishing you had a different kind of life. Right? Or... These are your, this is life and death, right? These are your options. You wake up in the morning. You praise God for the job that he's actually given you to provide for your family and your family. And you tell him why you're so appreciative of the job, why you so appreciate your family, why you so appreciate him that one day that you're going to be with him forever and that he's actually in you and he's actually walking you through this day. He's actually walking you into who he is as a person. And oh my goodness, you walk out the door, you're on 83, you're praying over people that are driving in an unsafe way, saying, Lord, I protect them, I bless them in the name of Jesus. You walk in, your secretary's sitting there. You notice, because you have eyes to see, because you just spent time with the one who has eyes to see, that they're not doing okay. You walk over and you say, hey, you're not acting like yourself. You usually say, hi, are you okay? They say, no, I'm not okay, this is what I got going on. And you actually say, would you mind if I pray for you? which answers their prayer because they felt like God didn't see them. And you just spent time with him, so now he's upon you, causing you to see them. Now he just showed up and prayed for them through you. And then you get on with your day. You have wisdom. You actually are able to tackle that huge mound of work that's in front of you, no problem, without complaint. You walk in and you actually go in and edify your boss and tell them why you so appreciate them as a person. And you walk out and you go home and you begin to meet the needs of your family and ask how their day was and be there for them and make sure that they're okay. And then you go to bed just praising God for the life that you have. And that's, that's the weight of it, right? And you get to decide every day, do you need them or not need them? Do you think that there's fruit set out before you in the day or is he the one holding it and he's just waiting for you to come and get it? It's the most important decision that you can decide. And one of the most important decisions I can decide is make that part of our DNA and I'll never stop telling you about it because there is no other fruit anywhere that you're going to find. There's another verse. It says this in Luke 4.4. 4, 
And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Or do you think you can actually live on bread alone? No, but they live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And you get to decide every day, no, I'm, I'm going to sustain myself on just bread, no thanks. Or I know that this can't sustain me. I actually need him to be sustained. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be provided to you. Are all these things being provided for you? Now here's something that nobody else will tell you. Everybody pre-clap for what I'm about to say. Okay, good job. All right, now you just clap for this. It's okay. If you have a prayer life and it's not producing, maybe you're doing it wrong. And it's okay for me to say that. Because how many of you guys know that no one knows how to just step up to the plate and swing the back correctly? And the, and the one thing that people don't ever do, it's almost like everybody, did you ever, did you ever notice that like when you're in cert, certain settings, people don't talk about politics or like you don't talk about money? And there's certain things that people don't talk about. And you know what most people don't talk about is their own prayer life. Because it's like, I won't talk about it, you don't talk about it, we don't have to bring it up. And it's like, don't you want to know what other people are doing in prayer? Don't you want to grow in that? Wouldn't it be helpful if you said, hey, can you walk me through what you do in prayer? Because maybe you're doing something that I'm not doing, and I'm missing out on something that you are doing, which, by the way, it does seem like you've got fruit of the Spirit all the time, and I would love to hear what your prayer life is like. But we don't typically do that. Aren't you glad you clapped for that? I'm always going to have you pre-clap. That's going to be our new thing. That's going to become part of the DNA. So there's, there's also something else that like, um, so I will typically, in a one-on-one -on -one setting with my employees, the first thing I'll ask them is, how's your prayer life? In a counseling session, if somebody says, I've been having a lot of problems in my life, the first thing I'll say is, how is your prayer life? Because the two cannot coexist. And I've never had it happen. I've never had somebody come up to me and say, I have no peace and I have no joy. How's your prayer life? I'm hitting it out of the park. It's never happened. It's never once happened. And so what does that tell me? It tells me that that is, that is the peace. That is the one peace that people either have or don't have. It's important to have it. The next thing that I'll say in a, in a setting, and I suggest we all start doing this, is the moment that I get around a group of Christians, the first question that I have is, does anybody have any testimony? Well, why? Well, in, in Scripture, it says this. And let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds. How are we going to be encouraged if we're not hearing what good deeds other people are doing? Right? So the first thing that I ask when I'm sitting in a, in a, in a setting when we're in staff meeting, when we're in prayer meeting, or if we're in another kind of meeting, does anybody have any testimony? And supernatural testimony is so important. And when I say that, I don't just mean miracles. I mean that you actually stop for a person who has a need when that's not who you were five years ago. It's, it's bigger than just miracles. It's, it's all things. It's somebody acting out of the ordinary because now they're with Christ instead of apart from Christ. I have a testimony the other day. Um, I felt so convicted around doing onto others what I would have them do onto myself, onto me, that I was driving. I looked down a road, not the road I was on, I looked down a road, and some huge piece of carpet spilled out of somebody's truck. 
And it was kind of on a bend. And like, if you were coming on that bend, you could easily just go off the road, avoiding whatever this thing is, because you wouldn't even have time to see that it was a big roll of carpet. And like, I got out of my car, I parked, I pulled the carpet over into some poor sap's yard. And because uh, I didn't have room in my car to take it somewhere. But it's like, well, how is that supernatural testimony? I'm telling you, I wouldn't have stopped apart from God. I would have cared less. But when I hang out with God, sometimes I care more. And it just gets on me. And it's like, man, I got to make sure that everybody's okay. But who, that's him, right? He gives you his heart when you hang out with him. It's amazing. This, this, in, in ministry, these disciples are, are moving mountains. They're, they're walking around and they're, they're healing the sick and they're casting out demons and they're doing like incredible things. In the name of Jesus. And he says this. They, they finally come across the boy. It's so humble. I'm so glad they asked. They said, why could we not cast the demon out of the boy? And he said to them, because of your meager faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And everybody has an excuse for why the mountain did not move except for this answer. And this is the only answer that Jesus Christ himself gave. Well, it's, you know, it wasn't meant to be. Well, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's not yet. Well, you know, God's timing is perfect. And, they, and they, they say things. But when it came time for Jesus Christ to answer the question, why didn't this move? He points back to their belief. And this is what I would like to say. If they had the humility to ask, we should have the humility to listen. And if something doesn't move when I pray, guess what I'm going to tell myself? There's a place where I can grow in faith. Not, well, his timing is perfect. We say a lot of cute things to make people feel comfortable in the moment. Meanwhile, we just need to shoulder responsibility and say, hey, there's a place in Christ. I'm not walking in the fullness of Christ yet, but there's a place in Christ where I can. Thank you for your patience with me. Let me continue to grow. This is what I would like to suggest. The moment that we don't have testimony is the moment that we actually died, spiritually. We could grow to 10,000 people, but if we don't have testimony, it doesn't matter. Stadiums have that testimony every weekend with a sporting event of a lot of people. I'm not concerned with a lot of people. I'm concerned with a lot of testimony and whether or not we actually have the courage to pull it off and actually produce it. If we don't, we don't. And we just need to face that and say, you know what? There was a place where we had a standard and a bar of God moving amongst us. At some point, we let it go. We got to regain it. Do you know why there's not more testimony in the house of God? It's real simple. It's not out of a lack of prayer. It's out of a lack of courage. Did you guys know that God loves obedience? And obedience is the sign that we actually love him according to, to the gospel of John. And um, sometimes we just let the opinion of men outshine the opinion of God. I've done it tons of times. And there's tons of times I've dropped the ball. There's tons of times where, like I was recently down in a, um, we were just down in a meeting before service, the pre-order service meeting, and I felt heartburn and I spoke up and I said, does anybody have heartburn? One of the musicians raised their hand and said, I've been struggling with it all week. And we prayed. I spoke up. But what if nobody said anything? Do you know what I would have said? Just kidding. Let's pray. I would have pulled it off real smooth 
and still looked spiritual. But anyway, just kidding, let's pray. No, why? Because I, like, I think God likes when we try. I think he prefers us trying than, than being cowards, right? And, and gosh, this is a bigger journey than a, a two-minute summary, so forgive me. But you guys, like, my sheep will hear my voice. Do you know what that implies? Are you his sheep? That you're going to hear his voice? Man, there's a place to contend where if that's not happening for you, where you're not hearing, well, there's a place to humble yourself and figure that out. But like, man, that's such a call. This is true in every Bible verse, and this is what I love so much. When he says, my sheep will hear my voice, the devil will try to get you condemned because maybe you don't, but it's an invitation to hear it. His commands call you up higher. I got a text from somebody who I consider an authority in my life. And they, this is what the text said. It said, you're one of the greatest leaders I know. It brought tears to my eyes. You know what, it caused, you know what that causes? It? it causes me to want to produce great leadership. That's what it does for me. And, I, and, and when, when Jesus says this, my sheep will hear my voice. You know what that does for me? It causes me to want to hear him clearer. Does it do it for you? Or, eh, I'll just keep looking for fruit in my day somewhere. So we believe in supernatural testimony. We believe in prayer. We really believe in accountability. There's going to be a single day if you can imagine an hourglass, the top part of it being to, like now and your life, the middle part being that day, judgment day, and the back part of it being eternity. But that part, back part goes on forever. And this is what I want to say about accountability, that half of the parables that Jesus spoke were about judgment day. Is that a lot? Yeah? Pre-clap, let's go. He's not trying to shock anybody. He like came out and told us that one day that we were actually going to be held accountable to our life. And that word accountability, depending on which side of the cross you're on, like I remember that word used to mean to me, you're a screw up and we're going to try to get you to not screw up as much. Do you know what it means to me now? That God's given you abilities and one day you're going to be held account to what it is that he gave you to produce something with it. One day. The Bible mentions this over and over and over again. It says this in Romans 14.10, But as for you, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or you as well, why do you regard your brother or sister with contempt? For we will all appear before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, to me every knee will bow and every tongue will give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Is that amazing? Doesn't that make you? Now, like, now, depending on how you view this, like when I was younger, I was like, oh my goodness, I got to get my act together. And I was so stressed out about standing before him one day. But the more relationship you have with him, the more that you seek him first, the more that you let him work with you and, and, and mold you and, and, and ply you and, and form you into what he wants to do with you, the more excited you get about that day. 
Because like what you do in private, it's like this. Like, let's say you do things in darkness you're not supposed to do. He says that one day he's going to yell it from the rooftops. But what if in your journey with Christ, do you know what you end up doing in private? Praying to him. And he's like, John used to pray in private. Isn't that cool for John? <laughs> we caught you, John. We saw what you were doing. You were praying to your father who is in heaven. But man, when I was younger, I used to be like, man, I hope, I hope to God nobody finds out ever what I'm doing in private. Because like, like I don't know about you guys, but do you know how Jesus sweat blood? Like when, when the boss at the place I was working at, would say, Adam, I need to talk to you. I would just become a bloody mess because I was like, okay, what do they know about me? And what on earth do they want to talk about? I think I'll just put in my resignation. (laughs) No, I'm good. I'm leaving. You can keep the last check. I'm out of here. I remember when I was uh, 14, I worked at a Greek restaurant as a busboy. These two huge Greek brothers ran it. And uh, they said, Adam, we want to talk to you after your shift. And I said, okay. And I just took off my apron and just walked out. It's like, I'm done. Who knows? Never heard from me again. They were probably looking for me in the obituaries. No, I'm, I'm good. I don't want to talk to you. Anyway, God's brought me a long way. Amen? Oh, man. Second Corinthians 5.10, it says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive compensation for his deeds done through the body in accordance with what he has done, whether good or bad. What if... Now, hear me on this. Like, what if you... stayed on journey. And I think that's like what people don't, like at at some point you quit playing around with Christianity. At some point you just finally decide, like if Christianity and the body is like a a boat, some people love to tie a rope off and get in an inner tube and just kind of cruise along with it, right? And they're kind of half in, half out. And some people like to play on the edge of the deck. And, And like at some point I finally just got in the middle of the boat held as tightly to I, as I could and said, I'm not going anywhere. Like, this is the deal. This is the rest of my life. Like, I'm serving God. I'm praying every day. And to the best of my ability, I'm going to take risks and chances and look like an idiot in trying to hear from him so that testimony might be produced on the earth. This is what I'm going to do with my life, right? Some days I do better than others. Sometimes I still chicken out, right? But that's, that's what I'm going to do. And the more that that's your position the more excited you get about seeing him one day. The more that your life looks like his, because on that day, what is your confidence? That in this world, you've become like him. How many of you guys know that in this world, it's possible for you to become like him? Yeah? Did you guys know that? It says it three times in 1 John. Your confidence to become before him in this life is because of the blood of Jesus. Your confidence to come before him after this life is because in this life you become like him. 
And in John 3, it says that he's going to be a great light and he's going to reveal kind of the motive of your heart. And he's either going to reveal that you love darkness and evil deeds or that you did life with him, that the deeds you did were wrought in him. And you're going to be able to approach him because you did life with him and you spent your whole life approaching him every morning. So to approach him is not a problem for you because you approached him daily. Does that sound better? I, I hope you're spurred on, man. If, if anybody in here needs to make some adjustments in your prayer life, man, I hope you make them. Because it, it's the best. It's the worst not having one. I remember not having one. I remember my day dictating how I'm doing. I remember people and how they treated me used to determine my level of joy. It's the worst. I hope everybody in here continues to pursue testimony, continues to try to hear from the Lord and take risks uh, to see the glory of God like on the earth. Like you're his plan. You're, you're his hope. You on the earth taking risks for him is actually his plan. It's a crazy plan. I know. But that's his plan that he wants to do with it. Right? And one day you want as much accountability in your life right now calling you to who you can be. If there's somebody in here who's not doing good, let me, let, me just, let me just take a stab at it. Your prayer life isn't doing well. You don't have, you're not accountable to anybody. And no one's calling you onto the mission that God has for you. And no one's calling you to who you can be in Christ. And that's not what God intended. I used to say, like, God, please send an angel quarterly and just have him review my life with me and let me know your, what your expectations are. That doesn't happen. But there, there's a body and there's believers and there's people you can submit to and, and they can have high expectations. Man, do you want high expectations on your life? Nobody used to have expectations for me and I produced daily. Low, very low expectations. They were so low, I was just walking away from people who wanted to talk to me, right? But I mean, you want people with high expectations on you. Would you guys stand? So those are the three things that we're about. We're about three other things, and I'll get to those the next time we speak. Uh, Brian Connolly is, is speaking next week, and I'm excited for you guys to hear what he has to say. Brian Connolly is a praise fave, and he's sown a lot into this church, and we're very grateful for him and his family. But let's pray. So Father, we, we thank you so much for, for prayer. We thank you that we can have accountability in our lives. We thank you that one day that we're going to stand in front of you and you gave us a heads up around it and you're cheering us on and you gave us the Holy Spirit to walk this thing out with us. We thank you that we can hear your voice. And Father, man, we need courage in this house. Sometimes there's somebody in need and we walk by and sometimes we didn't, have, we didn't know what to say, but we should have said something. And, and sometimes we got too caught up in our own world to see the, the other person that was in need and Thank you for your patience and your kindness. We're not done yet. We're not standing before you yet. And so we still have time to make adjustments. We still have time to look more like you. And that is my prayer, that every single person in this place would have a higher standard because you have a high standard, that they wouldn't be crushed by condemnation, but they'd be spurred on to good works. And we just thank you. We thank you for everything, Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you for your patience. In Jesus' name, amen.
Bless you guys. We thank you for watching with us. At Praise, our mission is to inspire, challenge, and transform people for generations to come. And we hope today's message can do just that. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about Praise, email us at info at praiseyork.com. If you'd like to support Praise financially, you can visit praiseyork.com give. To stay up to date with sermons, events, and changes at Praise, make sure to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel.